Good morning. <laughs> Again, welcome you guys that are here at our main campus. Welcome you guys that are joining us online. So you might be wondering, like, why in the world we would ever show that? So here's what I want you to think about. So for the past month, as we've been talking about and preparing for this message, one of the things that has always been on my mind is that as we look at the original design of a man, and as we look at the original design as a woman, and as we look at how those things are going to come together, and we're going to operate out of that so that relationships can flourish, and God can be known, and the gospel can be spread, the problem is we are way away from where we need to be, right? Like, we're way away from where we need to be. And the thing that keeps coming up to me over and over and over again when I talk to people about this, especially when we were talking about the men's segment, one of the things that I'd hear people say is, never heard anybody teach on this. Never heard anybody say, like, this is the way that it should be. Nobody ever talk about, like, this is the design in which God put in place. And so for me, the idea is, is that messages or the scripture is supposed to stimulate us to move forward or do something different. Right? Like we know that, right? The idea of the Word of God is to stimulate us in a way to move us into the place where God wants us to be, and in this situation, to the design in which God calls for a man and for a woman. Here's my fear my fear is that we've normalized marriage, relationship, design for a man, and design for a woman outside of what the Bible says that it's completely accepted inside of the church to live outside of the design as a man outside of the design as a woman, and specifically how they work together in the design that God has for a marriage, that essentially it might be good information, but it's not going to change anything. Here's what I want you to hear. Ten years ago, what you just saw, because you realize, I mean, if you don't know this, this was on the Farmer 5, like this was on Channel 15, Right? And again, this isn't about the person that's singing or the song that's being sung. It's that on the Farmer Five, there can be a man being worshiped as the devil by other people, a woman in a cage, admittedly saying she's the gatekeeper of hell, and that CBS, a main network that everybody turns in before it went on, tweeted this let's get ready to worship. This would have never been accepted. Never. Not one person in this room would ever turn on 15 again. But now it's like, eh, kind of like the song. I mean, let's be honest, right? Like how many people are just in outrage that this is what you're seeing on TV, right? I know a few. But you see what I'm saying? In the general population, that, again, because just think about this. Ten years ago, if something like that happens, sponsorships are pulled, like all of this stuff happens. We have in our culture normalized things that would never be normal. And it's been accepted inside of culture. So here's what I want you to say. If we continue to normalize men and women living outside of the design that God's called us to live, that's where we're headed. Right? I mean, that's where we're going because we choose to not be like, oh my gosh, This is not, because this is what I want you to see. This isn't, when we look inside of scripture, the idea of living like God called us to do as a man and a woman, there aren't suggestions. Like outside of the design, remember we said this, if you live outside of the design, things break. Part of what you're seeing in culture today that's broke is because we've chose to say, I don't really care. 
I'm going to live outside of design as a man. I'm going to live outside of design as a woman. And specifically inside of our marriage, we're just going to figure out how to get by. Right? Like it's just, and things are broke and things have been broke. And we're seeing the result of that today. And I would say, like, if you talk to most people, the result is somewhat staggering. Right, if you look at relationships and you look at marriage and you look at where we're headed with all of these things, to sit back and say, oh my gosh, like this is, this is crazy, like we're heading in the wrong direction. So as we work through this series, right, and as we talk through these things, this is just my hope that you're not going to just pass it by and you're not just going to be like, well, you know, it's kind of normal, so why should we change? I hope you will strip it down. Go back to what God said and let it affect you the way it should affect us. Like we should be, like you're mortified by that video and outrage, we should be mortified living outside of the design as men and women. We should have should. We should be mortified enough to make a change. Now, talked about men for three weeks. Are you ready? So today we start three weeks of talking about women and all of the men said... See, I told him I would dance, but I'm not sure if I'll pull a hamstring. I did it and I did it beforehand, you know, but I don't know. Might have got bad or out of breath, one of the two. All joking aside, right? Like, so we are gonna move into this idea of talking about three things, just like we did with men. How is a woman designed? Why is it important? What are gonna be her like uh, roadblocks or hurdles? Like what keeps her from living out the design that called God's called her to live. The third part of it is there is a redemption because we all know that we're not where we need to be, man and woman, so we need a redemption. We need the spirit. We need God to intervene, right? So God intervening on the behalf of women so that you can become the thing that God's created you to be. And then we're going to end this series with this idea that if we're both living out design, together for the gospel, we'll change the world, right? Together for the gospel, we'll change the world. Now, As we move into women, here's the question. Guys, why should you listen? Remember we talked about that. Women, why should you listen and why is it important? Well, men, first of all, I want you to hear this from the beginning. So we did this in order for a reason. So we talked about the man first because the man, again, from where God addresses things, has a role and a responsibility that does affect a woman's design and how she operates outside of that design. Okay, so one of the reasons that you should listen is you already know that God said that you should be the head and that you should live out of headship and you know what that looks like. And so when you're listening today and you're thinking, man, like you were the one clapping when it's celebrate and you're looking over at your wife like, get ready, right? (laughs) Here's part of the problem. Part of the problem is, is there are a lot of women that would want to operate outside of that design, but you're not the head, which makes it hard. Right? So the role of living out the design that God has for a woman makes it difficult when a man, not, doesn't mean you shouldn't strive for it, but does make it difficult to happen if your husband's not doing his job or a man's not doing his job. We know that that is a part of it. Here's the other thing, young people, listen to me. So uh, if you're dating, getting ready to date, getting ready to be married, and or you're newly married, you know, just for everybody, here's what I want you to understand. When we look at the design that God has for women and the design that God talks about in the Bible and the design that God says and the role that God has for women, young men and older men, it's okay to have an expectation 
that your wife or soon-to-be wife will be that way. Because I think, because think about this for a second. So if you sit down with people and you say, listen, everybody expects a man to be a man. Right? Like everybody's saying, this guy needs to do what God tells him to do and he needs to be a man in the design that God called for him to be a man. Well, it's okay to men to say, and I would like her to be my wife. Because doing marriage counseling with young people, you know what the hardest thing is, is men have this desire because this is kind of the way things were designed and they want to say it, but they're afraid to say it. Because culture hasn't accepted that you want to marry a wife. That a woman will have a role. You know what I mean? Like a woman has a role inside of it. This is very clear inside of the scripture. God designed men and women differently and there's roles and we need to fulfill those roles. And what the problem is as a man, we've been shamed for wanting our wives to fulfill the role. Right? So I'm just, guys, it's okay. Right? It's okay to have that desire. You can work it out. Right? You can work it out how it fits inside of your relationship. But don't let culture shame you for wanting what scripture wants in your wife. Don't let culture shame you, young people, for wanting to marry somebody that's, that's operating out of the design of a woman, right? Or wanting those things or desiring those things. Don't let culture shame you for those things, right? Okay, so if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis. Genesis 2, and here's what we're going to talk about. So Genesis 2 talks about the originality, like the difference between a man and a woman. So we know for a man, he said, like, there's some unique things that only you can do. In Genesis 2, 2, there's some only unique things that women can do, right? Now, before we get into this, I'm going to save you guys some time, okay? So from you emailing me or texting me or being like, you can still do all these things, but I'll just give you, save you some time, maybe answer your questions up front. Here's one of the things that I know, and I want you to know I know this, right? When the ideal isn't present, grace abounds, okay? So I already know and understand that not every situation fits this ideal and that everybody's in this ideal. Like, I understand that there are a lot of men that are not fulfilling their role as a head. I know that there are a lot of men who have abused their role as a head. I know that there's a lot of situational things that have caused the ideal not to work. Okay, so we know that. So I just want to say that to you because what I don't want you to do is say, well, the ideal isn't present, so I shouldn't pray for or strive for the ideal. Does that make sense? The ideal is still the ideal. This is what God said it should be. We can pray for it and we can strive for it, but we also recognize that it's going to be a challenge because of the situation that I'm going to be in and God's really going to have to come through. Okay, because if you reduce it down to what you can manage or have, you don't need God anyway. Right? So the idea is we already know, you know, the ideal or the grace about grace is going to abound when it's not an ideal situation. And here's the other thing, ladies, just real quick, because I know this is going to come up. You also can't listen because you're blaming your husband. Does that make sense? Like you can't say, well, I can't hear any of this because my husband hasn't done and my husband hasn't. Like I know, I know. We agree. Right? We haven't done everything that we're supposed to do. But you can't block out what Scripture says you should be. Right? Scripture says this is what a woman is designed to do regardless of what your husband is doing. Right? And you're going to see this played out over time. Like We have to go back to strip away all of these factors that have made it so you don't want to do it anymore and just say, I'm going to strive 
for the ideal, and I'm going to trust God for the gaps that I can't fix. Because I bet you there's lots of women in this room today that I can't fix him, and I'm like, I know, right? Or I can't fix, and there's damage from, and there's all these things that came from these situations, I know. But I think what you're going to find inside of Scripture today, if we go towards the ideal, God's going to do something that you could never get done. Right? So as we move into this, keep an open mind, open your heart up. God's got something to say. Again, young people, single people, you know, if you're a young lady, a single lady, you know, no matter what your age are, you can learn from these things. Like these are going to be important aspects in your life. So let's look at that. So let's go to Genesis 2, and we'll look at verses 15 through 25 where it lays out, here's the thing that's unique between uh, a man and a woman when it comes to design. Genesis 2, starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. So again, the man's role that it was unique, work it and take care of it. So that's the headship. But then he identifies something in verse 18 that starts this whole different trajectory. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. Will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he could name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave the names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all of the wild animals. But this is important. This is where the key fits into what we're talking about today. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh." Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So let's address something right from the beginning. I think this clears up an issue. When we talk about women's role specifically inside of the church, this is a question that's always brought up. So is a woman less valuable than a man? Right? Isn't that always talked about? Like, it's always talked about when we talk about submission, when we talk about helper, that all of a sudden there's this idea that a woman will think I have less value because of the roles that God's given me. Like, it's a struggle for women to hear it because it feels like they'll be put in a situation of less value. Here's what he establishes right from the beginning. And this is a comment you've heard people say, but it's really true based upon what Scripture says. Behind every great man is a great woman. Right? Yeah, for sure. Great, awesome, incredible. There's this idea that as men, we can be pretty good. Men individually, right? Like we can do pretty good things. But there's something about when you work together that a woman completes for you that no other man can. Does that make sense? Right? The way that you were designed that a woman in your life will complete things inside of you that no other best friend or no other person can do for you. Like, that's the idea. He says, make a woman, right, a helper, what? Suitable for man. You see how important that is? Like, it wasn't just make somebody that was a helper. It was make a helper suitable for the man. Understanding that 
as men, we, in the completeness of what God sees, sees an incompleteness when he says it's not good for man to be alone, right? Why would he say that? It doesn't mean that man can't do great things, and it doesn't even lower the value of a man. It just says that you are, from the way that you were designed, somewhat incomplete without a woman, right? Or a woman in your life to be able to help you through these processes, right? So it says a woman can add things. So from a value standpoint, we, we get rid of that right away, right? So from a value standpoint, he addresses it, that women are extremely valuable when it comes to being the helper. In fact, it almost makes it sound like they're even more valuable because without them, not good for man to be alone, right? Like that, it almost makes it sound like there's more value in what a woman can add to it than less value, right? So we, we see that from the beginning. Now, what does it look like so when he says helper, right? So what, what does helper look like and how should we uh, approach that as women, not we? How should you as women approach this idea of being a helper? Here's the first thing, right? And this is going to be the most important thing. You've got to seek God first, so young ladies, older ladies, people that are married, here's the one thing that you, if you don't know as a young lady, you're going to learn this someday when you get married. Men don't tend to share their needs with you. True? Very few men are like, honey, can we sit around the table and have this conversation about, I just want you to know my needs, and I want to see how you can meet them. But he had very many of them? No. Right? So here's what you got to know from the beginning from the beginning, you have to have a relationship because if God designed it, then God's going to be a part of it, right? So if you seek the Lord and you say, listen, first priority, my relationship with you, you know what my second priority is? Help my husband. So you know what my second question is going to be? How can I help him? He won't tell me. True? Like he's not talking. He's not discussing. He sits around the table. I barely get five words out of him, right? Like he's not opening it up. And so the, the, what you got to do is be like, okay, you're not changing that. That might get better over time. They might talk more. You know, they might come out of some of that shell. But it's going to start with you recognizing what their needs are so that you can help them. Right? And the way that you're going to get there is you're going to spend time with the Lord. And you're going you're to intercede and you're going to say, in my relationship and the thing that God's called me to do, in my design, you know, I need to be able to be a helper. So it's not only seeking the Lord. You know what the other thing that you can do? Observe. Right? Like you can look at your, your, your man and you can pretty much observe where he needs your help. Fair to say? Right? Like you can look and you'd be like, I need to encourage him in this. I need to do, like, these are the things that I need to do as a helper to be able to encourage him into these places in his life, right? To help him get to the place that God's designed him to be, right? Like, you're going you're gonna to observe and you're going to do. The other thing from being a helper, you know, at the end where it says, leave your father and mother so that you can become one. Okay, ladies, hear me when I say this. He's not going to be your father and stop complaining to your mother, That didn't fit anybody. It's just a guess, but I'm pretty sure that happens, right? Like there's this idea for, especially for people that grew up with dads, they're like, oh man, I, get, I love that. And then it's you. Can you be more like him, right? Like if you had a good relationship, right? And you saw those things. And then when it doesn't happen, you're like, mom, you won't believe, right? You can't imagine what, you know, and they have have this tendency to tell somebody else things that they should never know, 
right? Like we have a place to go. When it says leave your father and mother, right? It's probably a good idea to take it to the Lord who you're seeking first and then take it to him, right? When you get to those places and know that they're not gonna be your father, but the design that God created them to be, they will be the man that God created them to be. And you should be excited about that, right? The newness and the things that he could do. Now, with all of that, we would understand that it's very abstract. So when I say to most people, God created you, designed you as women to be helpers, you're like, how does that really work though? Like I get it, pray to God, ask him, but how does it work in day to day, right? So if you have a Bible, turn to Titus 2. Titus 2, here's what um, Paul was doing for Titus. So Titus was a young preacher, and here's what he knew. So when Titus was preaching at the church that he was at, one of the things that Paul said that people were going to do is change doctrine, right? And the doctrine, meaning the message, that was the doctrine, change doctrine so it fit the lifestyles in which they chose to live. That's what was happening. And so he says to Titus, here's one of the things you got to do. You got to preach sound doctrine. Don't let people influence you. Don't let people change you, right? Don't let people change. Just because culture is changing, don't let the message change. Does that make sense? Like, don't let that change. Now, even when you preach sound doctrine, there's still people out there that would say, well, what does that mean for my life? So Paul writes to Titus and says, I'm going to give you a list of this is what it means. So when I say that a man should be the head and a man should do, this is what I'm talking about. When I say that a woman should be a helper and this is how, this is what she should do. So he puts a list together, right? He puts a list together to say, if a woman operating outside of God or inside of God's design, these are the things that are going to be important to her. These are the things that are going to be at the forefront of her mind. So in Titus 2, let's look at what he says, starting in verse 1. Just what we said, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine, right? So don't get off the message. Teach what scripture tells you to teach. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, and love and endurance. Likewise, so this is where he goes into the design of a woman. So if she's supposed to be the helper, what will a helper do? Here's what it says. Uh, teach the older women to be reverent in the, in the way that they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. They can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. So he gives us a list, right? So here's the first part of the list. He says, older women are supposed to be training younger women. That's the idea. Older women are supposed to be going back and training younger women. Now, listen, you know why part of this hasn't happened? One is because everybody's busy, right? Like that's part of the problem is everybody's busy trying to figure out how to do life. How do you have time to go back and train anybody? Wouldn't that be true? No? Okay, then do it. <laughs> Just kidding. So I think that there's a sense of busyness, but you know what else I think? It's, it's not culturally accepted for older women to teach younger women how to be women. I think it's seen sexist. Like, I don't think it's seen anymore that it's the responsibility of the mother to teach her daughter how to cook. I don't think it's the responsibility of people to pass on, again, that there's these ideas that there are responsibilities inside of Scripture that God calls for the woman to do and responsibilities that the man's supposed to do. Now everybody's like, 
Because you know, listen to me when I say this. Nobody's getting mad when you're sitting around a room and we're saying, dads, get your son off that Xbox and get his butt out there working. God designed him to be a worker. Stop being a bum. Nobody's like, well, don't teach him how to be a boy. That's a bad idea. Right? Boys are designed to work. Get off your butt. Get out and do something. Stop letting the women do it all. That wasn't their job. Get up and work. <laughs> Somehow we get it flipped over to man, right? <laughs> but does that make sense? That's my point. Well, what if I said, wives, how is it possible we can marry people that can't cook? None of you are going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody teach them that stuff. Why not? Why not? Huh? Barter? Trade something off. Yeah, no, do what? No, that's the point. Not all men like to work. That's all I'm saying. I hear what you're saying, so don't take that bad. I hear what you're saying. In the design, don't take that. <laughs> In the design, here's the problem with all of it. It just really is. We're going to have to do stuff we don't want to do. It's just a problem. It really is. Inside of us, there's this natural desire to go against it. Right? There's this natural desire to push against it. So when we go there, you're absolutely right. These are the conversations. These are the problems with inside of what we're doing. Is if he says, like, one of the things we need to do is train. Like, what are we going to train him for? Because we have blurred the lines of what a man's role and a woman's role really is. And when the lines are blurred, how do you train? Right? How do we even as men train when the lines are blurred of what a man should do and what a woman should do? Right? So we need to get back to the place where we understand training is a huge part and it's okay to train a man to be a, a boy to be a man and a young lady to be a woman. What they do with that and how they do it is up for them to decide. But to shirk our responsibility, right, and not do what we're supposed to do, that's our fault. Right? That's the fault because it says older ladies need to go back and they need to train younger ladies. And, and again, I want you to think about this. You know what problem or part of our problem today is? That if you talk to um, older women training younger women, what are we training them up for? Because I want you to understand, like as a man, like I can relate with this because for my boys, this is what I want. Like I want all of my boys to be hard workers because that's what God does, told me to do and told them to train, train them up to protect and to do all the things that God has said. But at the end of the day, their identity should not be found in any of those things, but in causing flourishing inside of their home so that their family can know Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Like it's not find your identity in any of these things. So I've always said like, here's the thing that we need to say to, to our daughters, like fine, you won't tell them like, go to college and do all of that stuff and you know, go up. But at the end of the day, you're gonna stand in front of Jesus and you're gonna be held accountable for being a wife, fulfilling the role as a mother. Right? Like, just like men, like men are going to be held responsible for this. Women are going to be held responsible for this. Now, here's the thing that, remember when I talked about like when the idealism present, you're not in charge of the outcome. Right? Like, we're not in charge of the outcome. We have no idea how it's going to turn out. 
but we can't shirk our responsibility because we choose not to do it. So a lot of times we find women that are finding their identity in the things that they can do out here and not their identity in the thing that God's called them to be, right? And, and so when we're training, part of our training should be the greatest value that you're going to add into this world is operating outside of, or inside of your design. Good? Uh, so here's the next thing that he says. I don't know why he says this. It says to the women, don't be a gossip. <laughs> Men do what? Men gossip more than women? No. Come on. Listen. I don't know. He's just saying it to the woman. I don't know. Like, Remember what gossip is. Here's what gossip is. If you're talking negatively about somebody where you're neither a part of the problem or the solution, it is gossip. Right? That's the issue. You're neither part of the problem or the solution. If you're going to talk negatively about somebody, you're gossiping, and Scripture is very clear. Gossip is looked on terribly, right, in the eyes of. So he says, for a wife, like, and I don't know if this happens. Maybe this happens. Like, you get together, and, you, you know, you're, you're letting your little preschoolers play, and while they're playing, you're complaining about your husband. Did that ever happen? <laughs> You never have anything bad to say. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just think naturally sometimes we get in these environments where we negatively talk about people we shouldn't negatively talk about, the gossip, right? Because it's not helpful, is it? Like, if you can find a mentor that's going to help you, right, and you're going to talk to them and they're going to be a part of the solution, you can share those things. But at the end of the day, you should never be painting a negative light of your husband to anybody. Nobody, right? Go to God or go to him, but don't participate in gossip. So being a helper says we're not going to be gossip. Here's the other thing that he says in a roundabout way. So I'm going to add into this. So just so you know, it doesn't directly say this. We're all clear that right? I'm adding this in based upon everything else that I see. Women, you can't love your children more than you love your husband. You're like, why not? They're way easier, <laughs> way easier, Right? Yeah, I mean, the problem becomes, so let's just put it in the scenario of what I'm talking about. So you know what happens inside of a home is, like, a woman, because she's such a great caretaker and because she meets everybody's needs and because, like, she loves and nurtures and cares for, she's going to love and nurture and care for and be involved in the people that have the loudest voice. How many men have the loudest voice in their home? Very few. So all of a sudden, a wife gets wrapped up in the lives of her children, and pretty soon, when a husband comes home, he's over here, kind of, and I see him every once in a while, but you know what the main focus of every wife when they get home is? The kids, the needs of the kids, you know, and, the, and them around them, and, and so just so you know, like, we have to teach that this isn't right, Be like, Scripture's very clear, right? Love your husband. And teach your children that you love them, but you don't love them more than you love the Lord and more than you love your husband. Right? You know how you can teach that? Like you can teach that through your actions. I used to say it all the time to our kids. You have to ask them afterwards. I used to say, listen, I love you guys, but I love your mom way more. I do. I mean, and the only way you're going to prove that is because you do stuff without them. Like, hey, mom and dad are going to go do because someday you're leaving and we're staying, 
right? Like someday you're gone and we're together and we're gonna, like, you need to, like, it's okay, right? It's okay. Like they'll survive. They might burn your house down, but they'll survive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we have this fear of like what's gonna happen when you're gone. But I would have more fear of a wife who loves her children more than she loves her husband of how then the house is literally gonna burn down, right? Like things are gonna be problems. So make sure that we, you know, as helpers that you show your husband that the priority of your life is not your children, right? But the priority of your life is to be able to love your husband. The other thing that says is stay busy at home, right? So now, Let's talk about this because this is, the, this is the stickler for everybody, right? This is where everybody gets hung up. It says be busy at home. What's the responsibility of the wife as a helper? To run the house. That's what it says. Scripture is very clear about this. Talks about it in the Mishnah, you know, with the Jews. Like it lays out the responsibility of the wife is to run the home, right? The responsibility of the wife is to take care of the home, right? So, Whatever that means, as a helper, you need to talk to your husband about what those things are. Does that make sense? Like, as somebody that's supposed to, the responsibility of running your home falls upon you, right? So if the responsibility of running your home falls upon you, then you just have to ask yourself the question, are you providing an environment as a helper in your home by running your household that your house can flourish? Because you know what the big question always is? Well, are you saying that women can't work outside of the home? Do what? No, I mean, again, a lot of them have to. Why? Because you know what scripture says a man's supposed to do? You know, a lot of times why they have to work, and it's not always because they're not providing, because we're not happy with the lifestyle. Right? So I get it what you're saying. Back to the not ideal, right? So we're way outside of this ideal. It takes two people to be able to work. Like, I get that. Like, I understand that. But I think we're missing the point. The point isn't whether a woman works outside of the home or doesn't work outside of the home. The question is, as we carry out our design and do these things to allow our home to flourish, God's going to be involved. And if you have time to work, work. Right? God never says a woman shouldn't work. God never says that a woman can't work outside of the home. It never says that. But just like it is for a man, you can't put on your first responsibility to go do something else that's easier. Right? You just can't put on your first responsibility. Your first responsibility is you need to be able to stay busy at home. Right? You need to be a helper at home. You need to be able to run your house. Like that's what he tells you that you have to be able to do. And again, we'll get into that, you know, like what does that all look like? Because the other thing he tells you, I know you're going to just keep getting madder every time I, like, each point gets worse. Here's the next one. The primary responsibility of raising your children is on you as a mom. The primary responsibility of raising your children is the mother. And no one, I don't care how good the daycares are, no one replaces the mom. And again, listen to me when I say this. Have you ever been around kids that are in foster care or adopted kids and you bring them in and they're in their home and great environments and great things happen, but you know at the end of the day what's always inside of them? A longing for biological parents. Do you know why? 
Because God designed inside of these children that you're their mother. You're their mother. You're the primary caretaker. You're the one that's responsible for. Nobody else gets that. Nobody Can somebody else take care of your children? Happens all the time. Can somebody else be their mother? No. The primary role, responsibility, take care of your kids, right? That's why we have them, right? You know, the primary responsibility falls upon the mother, you know, and raising and training them. And also in this, it's kind of funny that he ends it with this. He says all of these things, and then he says, women, can you please be kind? Do you see that at the end? Isn't that funny? Like he goes all the way through all of these things, and then he ends it with, can you be kind? And, and here's what we know. Like we already know this, is that a woman's words are powerful and a man that loves her. You knew that, right? Like every woman has power in her words to either build up or cut down. Right? So he's saying that because he knows the power of influence that you have as a woman in the life of a man. You can build them up in ways that not one other person can do, and you can tear them down in ways like no other person can do. Right? So, yeah, so be kind in the way that you operate through these things. Now, knowing that this would be difficult, so I, I hope we answered this like, can a woman work outside of the home, blah, blah, blah. Like, here's what, so here's what he says. Help your husband. Run your home, raise your children, train other women, and if you're like the Proverbs 31 wife, work. Right? That's just the way it is. There is no mandate of like, you got to go back to the old-fashioned days. Like, we're not talking about old-fashioned, new age. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about design, operating inside of our roles. And if, if you operate inside of those roles and those things work, your family's going to flourish. If you choose to punt on any of those responsibilities, something's going to be broke. Right? That's just the way that it is. So does that kind of help with the, what's it mean to be a helper day to day? Now, here's the other thing that he knew. When Paul was talking about this, he knew that this was going to be a huge stickling point for women. Right? He knew that this idea, because of the curse, because we know we're going to talk about this next week, but in the curse, this is what he said, women, right, are going, to want, are going to want control, but they're going to be ruled over by their husband. So a woman being out of control, right? Because let me make sure I say this right. So any situation where they feel like somebody's not handling it right, especially a man, what does a woman naturally do? Take control. Take control. Why? Because they're really good at it. And I think they like it, right? I think women love to be in control, right? I don't like situations being out of control. This situation's in control. Out of control. I need to step in. I need to be. I need to be at this place, right? So he talks about this idea of what nobody ever wants to talk about inside of the church is what does it mean to submit them? So Ephesians 5 talks about why this thing you're always going to be fighting against, that you always want to be in control, you're going to have to learn the art of submission or you're always going to want to be in control. Good? You know, I know you don't want to hear it, but like this is what it says. This is what submission means because if you see it, right, and we read it in Ephesians 5, here's what you're going to recognize. Submission is actually a beautiful thing, right? The problem has been is the world has made it something that's crazy, right? But submission based upon Scripture is beautiful. Listen to what he says, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22. 
So he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So he says right from the beginning, like, wives, specifically submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. And then he goes on and he says this, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. So let's talk about submission so we make sure we understand this. So here's roles, right? So God set up design, but then he also set up roles, like how things were going to play out so that there was order in everything that he did. So remember, when God created things, he brought order to chaos. That was the Garden of Eden, right? Like he brought order, and then he put this order in place. So he put this order in place, he said, and we saw it play out because when, when Adam, when sin happened, who did God talk to? Adam, why? Because it's the role that he put in place. Man is supposed to submit to who? God, right? And because he submits to God, again, in the ideal, because he submits to God, naturally he's going to sacrificially love his wife, right? Like that's going to naturally happen. And when he naturally, again, loves his wife and sacrifices for her, it's going to be then natural for her to submit to her husband who loves her well, just like she submits to the Lord who loves her well. When is it not beautiful? When a man chooses to use that power outside of what the Bible says and lords it over his wife and is domineering and not doing it out of a godly perspective. Men submitting to God, loving respectfully to their husbands, it is beautiful then as a wife to submit to a husband who loves you well. Just like it is to submit to a Lord who loves you well, right? Is it easy with the Lord or your husband? No, right? Because you wanna be in control. So regardless if it's your husband or the Lord, you're always gonna wanna be in control. Now. Let's talk about submission real quickly from an overall perspective because I think some of you wives are like, the only time we talk about submission is when we talk about women, but that's so wrong. We talk about submission in almost every message we talk about, right? Because here's what submission is. Here's the definition of submission. Voluntary response to God's will. That's the start of it. Submitting means naturally because of the fall, I'm selfish. And you. Right, you should go, me too. <laughs> You're not going to do that. You too are selfish like me. Naturally, you want to do what you want to do, what your will is. So submission says, I'm as a follower. So now that I've given my life to Jesus Christ, you know what I'm going to do? Voluntarily submit my will to his. That's submission. So isn't that talked about in every message that we talk about? Every single day, you're going to be battling against the same thing. I wake up every single day, and I want to do what I want to do. But volunteeringly submitting, I'm a follower of Jesus, so not my way, but his way. Right? That submission, overarching, that goes with it, giving up your desires for God's desires. Why would we do that? To help God fulfill his mission on this earth. That's submission. All of us are called to submit. Right? That's what he says. All of us are called to live that out. You know, but you know why most of us struggle with submission? Because we struggle with trust. You know why you're not submitting to God? Because you don't trust him. You know why you're not submitting to your husband? You don't trust him. Well, remember this. So when God works through this and when it comes to submission, here's what I want you to see. So when I'm working with people that are struggling with this idea, so here's the man, 
best visual possible. Here's the man, you know, or here's God, here's the man, and then here's the wife. So when sin enters the world or things happen and a man's not doing the way he's supposed to do, he's answerable to God, right? But when women become God in the life of their man, none of you women have done this, like you're their Holy Spirit, you're their convictor, you're the one telling them what they should do and not do and all the things they've done right or wrong. Okay, for the few of you that have became God, right? You now have gotten the way of God working on your husband. And until you get out of the way, he can never work. Until you choose to submit here and trust not him, but who are you trusting? God. The guy that raised people from the dead can fix your husband way better than you criticizing him or way better than being his Holy Spirit, or way better giving him suggestions on how he should be better. Right? Like, you're going to get to the place where you're going to submit that God's way is way better than my way, and so I'm going to have to get to this place where I'm going to have to give up control, and I'm going to have to submit to those things. Because here's the thing you need to remember about submission. This is all the way around. When Satan entered the Garden of Eden, this is what he was doing, right? He was teaching man to not trust God and work independently from him right? Every sin that comes into our lives is Satan saying you can work independent of God in your life. Does that make sense? Like the schemes of Satan is saying you're okay, you're independent, you don't have to trust him, you know you should trust you. So the same concept, if God wants to, if Satan wants to come in and destroy the family, you know what he comes in and does? Teach a woman that she can work independent of a man. Maybe, right? Like it starts this way. Like it starts with this idea. You don't need anymore, right? You don't need that. Like you can be independent and you can take it. You can, right? A lot of you have proved it. You can do it without him. But here's the point. The question never was whether or not a woman can work independently or not work independently. The question never was whether a woman can lead or not lead. A woman can't take over or not take over. There was never a question. Look around. You've seen plenty of women who have stepped up, took the place of men, and done a very good job of it. Supported themselves, take care of themselves, sacrificed, did everything. There's, that's not the question. The question is, in the scope of what God's trying to do and where we want God to work, we have to submit ourselves to a way that even though you can do it, you're going to trust that God could do better than you. That's where it needs to be. So the worship team's gonna come back up. I'm gonna give you some challenges as we leave today. So here's the, the challenge, right? So this is the last thing, and probably make you the most mad, but <laughs> here's how we're gonna end it. Scripture's very clear when he says, the, wim- the woman is the weaker vessel. Did you not know that? Some of you are like, it doesn't say it. It doesn't say it. No, it does. It says the woman is a weaker vessel, but not from a narrative of value, right? So you know why it says the woman is the weaker vessel inside of Scripture? One, because physically the woman is designed different than a man. So that a man can do the things he's supposed to do. It was never supposed to be that our daughters and our women were doing man's work. They weren't physically designed to do it, right? Like, 
When he says weaker, that's why he designed a man in the way that he designed him with the physicality that he has so he can do man's work and not expect a woman to do it. Because even though a woman can do it, it's not the design. Right? Not the way he did it. You know the other thing about weaker vessel that he talks about? You know where else you're the weaker vessel? Are you ready? Here. Up here. Now listen. This makes sense. You need to see it. Not that intellectually you are less than a man, but you are for sure designed differently by God. And your design allows Satan to get into your mind way different than a man. Now here's why it makes sense. From the beginning, God designed men with armor and a very black and white mind, right? That's how he designed us, right? We can only think like a couple things. Open a drawer, shut a drawer, open a drawer, shut this true, isn't it, guys? We open the drawer, we shut the drawer. We open the drawer, we shut the drawer. We got the armor on. You say protect, I can protect. Like, we get this. A woman was never by nature designed by God with armor. You know why? Because you don't have armor because you're going to nurture and think and do in ways that men could never do. But it also leaves you open if a man isn't standing there protecting you to the attacks of Satan that you will be more susceptible to than any man. Because the way that he designed your mind and the things that you guys can think about and the 5,000 things you can do at one time and the nurturing nature in which you have, it puts you open to the attacks of Satan. And if a man is not standing in the gap and standing guard, as, that's why he tells us, men, your wives are the weaker vessel. Where are you? So as women, don't sit there and be like, I don't want to be known as weak. No, know it, own it, and call your man to the place that he needs to be instead of standing up there, I can be a man. No, you can't. No, you can't. You weren't designed. You don't have the armor. You don't have the thinking. It doesn't work that way. Call your man to be a man, and it's okay, and it's beautiful to be a woman. Right? It's okay. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we love you, and we're so thankful that we get to be together today to learn, right? To, to process, design, and what you want for our lives and things that you've called us to do. Heavenly Father, I pray for the women in this room today, Lord, that you can just inspire them, that the beauty of their design is just so beautiful, God, in what you've done as a helper and a helpmate, Lord, and one that, that, again, allows men to be what you've created them to be. And in that, God, they will find their identity. And Heavenly Father, we pray that what you said is if we operate inside of your design, the gospel will be spread. That's our motivation today. Lord, we want to see the, the word spread all over the world. Let it start as women operating outside of or inside of the design that he's called you to operate in. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Yes. 
So I think for each one of us in this room, that would be the message that we all believe, right? I want to know you more, right? Like, I want to know more about you. I want to be in a deeper relationship. That's why you're listening online. That's why you're here today. You want that. But no, what triggers a deeper relationship is surrender, right? And we have to surrender to the things that are difficult in our lives. But when you do, you can have this promise. God is going to do some things that you never saw coming. God's going to unlock some things that only he can do because of our surrender. So I'm praying again that this week you go out, ponder, talk, discuss what does it mean to be a helper and how can you, you know, create a home of flourishing in your lives, wives and young ladies teaching, uh, older ladies teaching young ladies to do this. And again, we encourage you, come back next week as we talk about what are the hurdles and what are the struggles for a woman to become the woman of God that God's created her to be. So thanks for being here with us at Main Campus. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.